Good morning. Shalom Aleichem. It is Thursday. And it is Daladello. Now normally on Wednesdays I do a Mimer class. Well on Wednesday I prepared the Mimer class. But Wednesday because of all kinds of things that are related to good things. I didn't get around to doing it. So I'm going to give my first class today. I'm going to give my second class tomorrow. Im Hashem, I-Y-H. Um, I guess we could say this is our last extra Mimer class of the summer. I've been giving extra Mimerim classes on Wednesdays, in addition to the regular Friday Mimer class. And um, so this Mimer is also a supplement. It's in addition to the regular. And the name of the Mimer is Atam uh, from Tovshin Yud Base. It's the last Maimed of the year, Atam Yitzavim Tafshinit Beis to Tafshinit Gimel. That year, Chav Gimel Elul was Shabbos, which meant that Rosh Hashanah was Shabbos. Um, this is the last Maimed of the, that year. Now, for us, this is a little bit of a Simcha, not much of a Simcha, but a little bit of a Simcha. It's the last Maimed, it completes all my modem of that year, of Tafshinit Beis that are available on our website, insertchasidas.org. Some of these classes I've given here at Beis Medrash and Nashim Most of these classes I gave to the Bachrim at the Yeshiva. And I'm looking at the classes that I gave to the Bachrim, I'm realizing that they're very different. The classes that I give to the women, I actually read every word and I explain. The classes that I gave to the Bachrim were overviews, were generalizations. Um, so we got through the Maimed, but it, took, it was much less uh, detailed, as it were. Now, this is a Maimed which is based on a Maimed, as is typical. You know, most Maimodim are based on Maimodim. And if you look in footnote 11, you see that it's based on Bris, which is a Maimed of Pashas Kisiso, from Tafresh Lamed and Tafresh Nandalid. It happens, by the way, that the very, very last Maimed of the Rebbe Rashab's life was actually also Hinenechikedes Bris. Everybody knows about the Maimed. What few people know is that was the Maimed of Purim, which was a Thursday night. That Shabbos, the Rebbe said, He started to write and never finished the Maimed. If I remember correctly, it's a similar Maimed. It's a, I don't want to say typical, I don't want to say classic, I don't want to say familiar, but it is, it is. It's a, it's a Maimed with a specific structure, which a number of the Rebbeim said. I'm assuming that this Maimed from the Rebbe Marash is probably based on a Maimed from the Rebbe the Tzemach Tzedek, although they don't refer to it here. And it's the Maimed about the Gimel Brises, right? The, the world has three covenants. The Kisus Bris of Noyach, the Kisus Bris of Avram, and the Kisus Bris of Moshe, the covenant of, to Noyach, the covenant Hashem made with Moyach, the covenant Hashem made with Avram Avinu, and the covenant Hashem made with Moshe Rabbeinu. By the way, this is separate from the Gimel Brises that Hashem made for the Torah with the Jewish people themselves, at Har Sinai, at Har Vesmeyev, and at um, Har Grizim and Har Evil. But this is a classic Sugi and Hasidus. Maybe it's not discussed that often, but it, it's discussed often enough. The three covenants, what each one of the covenants represents, the Kisus Bris of Neach, was for Teva. I'll never disrupt Teva. The Kisus Bris with Avram was for Torah. And the Kisus Bris with Moshe was for Tshuva. And that's what we're going to be discussing in this Maimir. Um, but if you don't mind me putting it into dramatic words, but what is the Maimir really about? What's the point? What's the Nekuda? What's the Oymik? What's the Tichain of the Maimir? And in plain English, what this Maimir is saying is the value of what we do in our relationship with God is because God values it. The significance of all of our lives. In other words, not the fact that we're alive, but that our life has meaning. And not only meaning to us, but meaning to our Creator, who created us, not because He needs us, but because He chose us. Hashem has a rotsen, has a will, and there's a very, very fine line between the word need and the word will or desire, because the word need connotes lack, the word will connotes above reason, and that's, there's a very big difference between those two things. You cannot say about Hashem that He has needs, because saying about Hashem that He has needs is saying about Hashem that He has lacks. And the Ebi Shtedeshleim has built a chesron, Hashem has no chesreinus. But you could say about Hashem that He has a want. 
And by definition, the meaning of this word is that we can't understand why. If he has no lacks, why does he want it? But on the other hand, he's not a liar. When Hashem says, Nesava Kaddish Baruch Hu, or the Rebbe brings in this moment, ki chafetz chesatu, or in other places, ki Allah beritzaynay, ano emleich. This is real, meaning to say that even though it's impossible to understand why Hashem would have a need for anything outside of Himself to somehow give Him something, so logically that's impossible. You cannot say that. But Hashem willed it. And the meaning of the word will is he puts himself into this will completely. So we're speaking out of both sides of our mouth simultaneously. You cannot say that he needs, but we're saying that he wants. He chose to care about our actions. He created us in his image and he empowered us with the fact that what we do matters to him. That's this moment. The credibility of our life is his determination that our lives are credible. I guess you could put it that way. Um, in practical words, he gave us importance. And the term, the phrase, the idea that's going to represent this concept most powerfully is the word bris, a covenant. Bris. He's going to mention the word ratzen, he's going to mention the word chayfetz. But the word that dominates this maimir is the word bris, a covenant. A covenant is a pact between two, right? Usually between two people. In this case, it's a covenant between Hashem and His world, between Hashem and His people. And the very meaning of the word covenant is a pact, is a bind um, that is completely beyond limit. There's no limit. It's not rational. It's not limited. And you have it in the maimorim, and of course we're going to have it in this maimir as well, that there's different levels of covenant, right? So how would you explain a covenant? In plain words, and this is going to be discussed in the Maimir, but I'll sort of say it in my introduction as well. A covenant means two people have a relationship. What brings two people together? What brings two people together? Obviously, the simplest answer to that question is they find themselves in the same place at the same time. Um, but that's a very simple level of bonding, right? Usually, what brings two people together is that two people find themselves in the same time, in the same place, involved in the same activity. So they become involved with each other because of something that they share. It's called a conditional connection. Like they both like music, or they both like art, or they both like ideas, or they both studying Torah, or they both involved in Miftzayim. So they're bound by their common interest. So of course the nature of life is that things change. Uh, Reuven moves to here and Shimon moves to there. Reuven's interests go in a different direction. Shimon's interests remain in the same direction or go in also in a very, very different direction. So when Betela Dova, Betela Ahava, when they're being in the same time, in the same place, involved in the same activity, dissipates, the relationship ends. So occasionally you'll have people who will meet because of a certain circumstance and because of a common interest but they'll appreciate their relationship enough to say we don't want this relationship to end. Which means, even if I go to a different place, I'm involved in a different activity, and I'm living in a different time, my bond with you never changes. So they make a covenant. You know, they call it in English, uh, it has a lot of negative connotation, but they call it a blood oath. A bond, which is a, 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 an act, usually, that is a symbol of a relationship, of an involvement, of a connection that will never break. Because the very definition of the bliss of the covenant is that we're connecting each ourselves to one another in an altogether super rational, a completely unlimited level. That's the concept of a bliss. So the Maimorim, if I'm not mistaken, in Tafresh Memches from the Rebbe Rashab, there's a lengthy Maimim, which of course is based on the Lakota Teira, where you have the same idea, but in short, that there's two levels of a covenant. The first level of a covenant is the obvious one, where people make a covenant. I'm separate from you, you're separate from me. Something brought us together conditionally, and we create a bond which is unconditional, that's a covenant. There's a deeper kind of covenant. And the deeper kind of covenant, basically, is a relationship between man and God, where Hashem is making the covenant, like the Rebbe explains in the Sichas, Kutasichas Chelik Chavhei, 
about the bris with Yitzchak. God had to make the covenant, not man, and that's what, that's what makes the covenant infinite. Because when people make a covenant, so they're binding themselves to one another in an unconditional way. They're binding themselves to one another in an infinite way. You can't break that, but you can be forgotten. You know, you can change an idea, a, a, con a conditional. Two people are connected because of something. They can disagree on that something. They can lose. They can, and and the bond will actually break. You cannot break a bond based on a covenant because the very definition of the word is that it's an unbreakable bond. But it can dissipate over time. It's still there. But I forgot about it. You forgot about it. I'm not doing anything about it. You're not doing anything about it. And it becomes forgotten. But the higher level of covenant is where two are one. right? And the marshal for this is the bond between, uh, between parents and children. To a lesser degree between siblings. And of course the really interesting one and controversial one is the bond between a husband and a wife. These bonds are not only higher than reason, that means unbreakable, but they don't wane. There's no way they can be forgotten over time. They're absolute bonds. And of course, the the nimshal for this is the bond between the Jewish people and HaKadosh Baruch Hu, where he creates the bond. We're finite. Here today, gone tomorrow. Hashem is infinite. Hashem is above time. And when he creates a bond with us, the nature of that bond is not only that it's above reason, that it's beyond the possibility of it being broken. And of course, technically, this is the difference between a bris, a covenant made on the level of Chayo, and a covenant or a bris made on the level of Yechida. That's how this would all break down. So our mind is about a bris, a covenant that the involvement between God and the Jewish people, the involvement between God and the Jew and the world is, is not only based on the fact that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has an interest in the world, but that his interest in the world is unbreakable because he made a covenant with the world. So to repeat, point one, we matter, period. We matter a lot. We matter absolutely. We matter because Hashem says we matter. That's why we matter. Not because of who we are inherently. And that the nature of our mattering is determined by a covenant, by a bris. A bris which really God makes, Hashem makes. And therefore, not only is it unbreakable, but it's unwaneable. I don't think there is such a word. It can never be weakened. It's, it, it never changes. It's absolute. This is the essence of this maimed. The body of the maimed, the form of the maimed, is to say that there are two layers of this. The lower layer of this is three covenants. Hashem made three covenants with the world. He made a covenant with Noach for nature. And I guess you could say for all of humanity, all of humankind. He made a covenant with Avram Avinu for Tehidah Mitzvahs, which I guess is a covenant that Hashem made to the Jewish people. And if I wanted to be a pain in the neck, I would say, you could include in that also the covenant that Hashem made with the with all the, all of humanity when it comes to the Sheva Mitzvahs, the seven laws of Noach. And then he made a covenant with Meishar Abena for Tshuva. And here you could argue that this is only a covenant with the Jewish people and not a covenant with non-Jews. As the Rebbe points out in a number of letters, without ever bringing a source, that it appears that there is a shaila, there is a question whether by Bnei Neach, Tshuva helps. Those are three covenants. But all those three covenants sit on a more fundamental covenant. The fourth covenant, which is above these three, is the covenant of, of Rosh Hashanah. Is the covenant that Hashem made with the world, with the Jewish people, which is renewed every year in Rosh Hashanah. So essentially what we have is two layers. We have three covenants that sits on one covenant, and this one covenant is absolutely unbreakable, even though every year in Rosh Hashanah it's renewed, but it's not renewed because it's, it's broken or because it becomes weaker or becomes forgotten or, or it's waned. But rather, we go back to the elementary covenant, to the very base of the pact that Hashem made with His creation, which is the pact that He made with the Jewish people, Atam Nitavim Ayyem, which never breaks and never weakens, and it renews all the lesser covenants. It renews everything else. So that's the design of this maimer. That's the design of this maimer. That our relationship with Hashem is real because He gives it reality. It's built on three components, three kriyas, three covenants, three ideas that are each confirmed by a covenant, and all of those three are built on the covenant of Rosh Hashanah. 
And the way the Maimon is going to explain Rosh Hashanah, if I understand it correctly, is that the covenant of Rosh Hashanah is never broken. The three covenants can become weaker and they have to be renewed. The covenant of Rosh Hashanah is going to a place where it's never broken, and from this place where the covenant is never broken, all of the relationships between Hashem and His world are renewed, including uh, the other three covenants. It's very important for me to emphasize this point because I would argue that it's a little bit unusual. In other words, even when you learn the Maimodim of Rosh Hashanah that talk about what's accomplished in Rosh Hashanah in Achtaras HaMalchus in, in, and Binyan HaMalchus and all these other things, I, I could argue that this Maimed either is saying something different or at least it's saying it much more crisply, much more explicitly. So I'm going to cheat, okay? I'm going to ask you to look inside on the bottom of page Shinai and Aleph, the second paragraph where I have my number 22. Okay, and I'm doing this by way of introduction. I want you to see the words. He's talking to the Jewish people. You are standing, and he brings a Maimed Chazal. Even at an hour that the entire world is, is dwindling, is weakening, is losing its grip, is losing its hold on its value, which is based on the fact that Hashem values it. The Yid stands. The entire world wanes and weakens, which means all the relationships wane and weaken, including the three covenants of Neach, Mesha, Avram, Moshe. Because everything goes back to the, to the beginning, everything goes back to how it was at the outset, before these covenants were established. The Jew remains standing because the root of Nisham is in Hashem himself. And of course, we all know how the Rebbe would explain this in the later years with the Teyedah from the Mezitra Magid about Yisrael, a Jew is one with God. Now, how we understand that is a question. But that's the fact that you was one with God, and you cannot divorce yourself. So when Hashem, so to speak, resets everything, and all the relationships are broken, we're now we're speaking now before you blow shayver, before you machter Hashem as a melech. The nature of the relationship between Hashem and the Jewish people is such that it's never broken; it's unbreakable. In other words, it's the covenant of all covenants. It's the foundation of all foundations. Because even when all other covenants can weaken over time, and the way Hashem sets it up in time, this is a yearly event that has to do with Rosh Hashanah. Debishter wants renewal, so that's why he has to interrupt the old, so there should be renewal. So at that moment, when all of the old is interrupted to set the stage for the renewal, the Pasuk says, They're guaranteed in bringing down the Melucha. And of course, the, the suggestion here is that on the one hand, we're recreating the bond. But on the other hand, our ability to recreate the bond is based on the fact that the bond has never been broken. And that's the, that's the, that's the depth of this Maimir, okay? It's three ideas, supported by three covenants, supported by a fourth covenant. And that fourth covenant is the bond between Hashem and the Jewish people, which never breaks, the idea of So now, how am I going to... I gave you a long introduction. I took far too long to say this. I dragged my feet, etc., etc., etc. So let's get to the point. How, how are we going to learn this Maimir? So I, I sent you the Maimir on a PDF. I sent it on the WhatsApp. It's, it's going to be up on the site together with the Maimir, and so on. And as always, I'm giving you my scribbled text. Some people feel like it's disrespectful and arrogant. I'm doing it because I, I think my notes are of value. Particularly, most important of all is the numbers. Um, I, I numbered the Maimed, not in the order that the Maimed is prepared, but the Maimed, how I'm going to teach it. We're going to be starting near the bottom of page uh, Shin Samach Beis. So let's do this. Okay, today I'm going to do half a Maimed, which means the very the Shin Samach Gimel, Shin Samach Dalet, Shin Samach Hei, Shin Samach Vov, Shin Samach Zayin. Okay, that's what we'll do today. And then tomorrow we'll do uh, from Shin Samach Es till the end and the very beginning of the Maimed. Okay? So we're going to start near the bottom of page Shin Samach Beis, and I'm going to ask you to do me a favor and look inside and follow. Okay? 
says the Rebbe, three lines at the bottom of the page. Inyan Gimel Krisis Mrs. Anan. What are the three covenants? Now, of course, the first page of this Maimed, I'm going to leave for the second Shi'ir when we're going to be talking about the fourth covenant, the covenant of all covenants, which is the idea of Rosh Hashanah. So that's why I'm starting from the middle of the Maimed. And there are three covenants that govern, govern not that there should be a world, that the world should matter, that Hashem should care. That our actions matter. Our actions matter to Hashem infinitely. That's the meaning of the word Ratzin. That's the meaning of a covenant. And they matter because of this covenant. So the Rebbe says, The covenant that Hashem made with Nayach is for the sustaining of the world. As the Psukim described, Hashem made a covenant that He'll never disrupt the ebb and flow of life, there'll always be a day, there'll always be a night, there'll always be a, su- a winter, a spring, a summer, a fall, there'll always be seasons, that the world is going to be a constant, right? Of course, the Mabel was an event of complete destruction, and it's explained even in Hasidus, that this cannot be called uh, it was the old world was ultimately completely destroyed, and he's creating a new one, now I know that that's a little bit tricky, um, I'm not sure I understand it fully myself, but that's what's unique about the Mabel. Hashem completely erased the old world and made a new world. And He did it because the old world was given incredible promise and prospect and became evil. And when Hashem made the Mabel, He swore that He'll never repeat that. No matter how evil the world will become, there will never be an event of destruction just for the sake of destruction. Even though historically there are innumerable events of destruction, but it's always in the context of Seisar Amanas Livnes, Bein Amanas Listen, and Seisar Amanas Livnes. Hashem doesn't destroy, He recycles, He heals, He deals with His world. Right After the Mabel, Hashem swore, This is what I got, and this is what I'm going to stick with. Before the Mabel, He had, so to speak, a different world. He destroyed that world. Now, of course, by Debishter, who's above time, he knew how it was going to play out. So, so to speak, there was an understanding that there was going to be a world that was going to be destroyed in a flood. But in terms of what the world is, the flood was an event of ending one reality, not using that old reality to make a new one, but making a brand new one. And after the Mabal Hashem, swear, I'll never do it again. These are my people. I created a world. I have 70 nations. Um... Yatsev Gibule is Abam Lamispa Bene Yisrael, like says in Pashas Azino, Hashem saved the world because of the couple of Yidin that are going to come out of the whole of the world. And he swore, This is the world I'm going to deal with. I'm going to deal with these people and these Jews, good, bad, indifferent. I'm never going to destroy them again. That's what the covenant of Deach was. That the world that he had is the world that's going to be forever. Akris is Bizda Avram. Then comes the second covenant of Avram Avinu, and the Sinus Oretz, that Hashem gave us Eretz Yisrael. And he says, is The giving us of the land means the gift of Azal, And he brings several supports for the relationship between the gift of Eretz that Hashem gave, made a covenant of Ramavina of Eretz Yisrael and Teira. He brings two supporting thoughts. Number one, that it says in Chazal, Eretz. Why is Eretz Yisrael called Eretz? It's running the will of its creator. In other words, the revelation of divine will. So when Hashem gives Avraham Avinu Eretz Yisrael, and then He binds Himself to this gift with the covenant He gave Him, the phenomenon of Eretz, which means will. Will is Teda Mitzvah. And number two, the word Eretz, which means earth, it means land, but it means earth denotes bittel, which brings a person to teda. Humility is the prerequisite to success in life. It's certainly the prerequisite to success in relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, like we say in the Siddur at the end of each one of Ashmanesris, in the Alakai Kai my soul should be like dust to all psach libi Open up my heart to your tedov mitzvah nafshi, and my soul should pursue your mitzvahs. The prerequisite to teda and mitzvahs is bittel. So in the word Eretz, for two reasons, you have Teda. First of all, because of the, the connotation of urgency in the word Eretz, and second of all, because of the connotation of humility in Eretz. And he concludes, Vakris is the third covenant of the Meshach Rabbein, is Allah That not only does he have a relationship with us, there's no way we can destroy it. Right? That's the principle of Le'yidach Menonidach. That Ga'a Mishachot, O Pagam, Ve'averas, Adarach, someone who sinned. 
and created a blemish and gone off the road. We can always come back. It says in the 13 attributes of mercy, and the meaning of Erechapayim is Humayrech Afle Erechal Tzidikim Alagam L'Rishoyim like Rashi brings in Pashat Shlach that Hashem prolongs His anger not just to Tzadikim to also to Rishoyim and of course the point of prolonging the anger is to create a framework in which they can do tshuva that ultimate results in Noisei Oven Vafesha Vachato Venake right? The last four Mides are Noisei Oven Pesha Chato Venake that's 10, 11, 12, 13 but the word Noisei goes on all three it's Noisei Oven that means He he tolerates sin done on purpose. Noise Pesha, which means he tolerates sin done in spite. And Noise means he tolerates sin done by mistake. And then Venake. However, you translate the word Venake, it's a discussion for another time. But of course, the word is Noise, right? In the Gemara, you have Noise and Koivish. Koivish is like Arechampen, right? Koivish means he suppresses his anger. Noise means he transforms it. Noise oven means he actually carries our sin. Meaning to say, not he, he's really upset with us, but he doesn't act out. He's not upset. That's, that's the meaning of the word noise. So it's sort of more than erech And Hashem made a covenant with Moshe Rabbeinu that the relationship between Hashem and the Jewish people is unbreakable because even if we destroy it, we can always do tshuva, and he will always accept our tshuva, and he will never allow anything to stand in the way of tshuva, based on the principle of Erech and Neseyav, and and this also is a covenant. So now the question of the Maimed is, but the Kriyas B'Rosh Hashanah is going to be in the next year. Today's class, in, in other words, on top of the introduction, is going to be about the three B'Rosh so the Rebbe says that Yuvan behegdim abir begimel inyan increases brisanal. Says the Rebbe, it's important for me to observe an insight, an interpretation of these three covenants. Now there are three separate covenants for three separate things. Nevertheless, two of them are more similar, and the third is altogether dissimilar. Sheishefish is a big difference between increases bris the neich v'avram, increases bris the moishe. There's a separation between the covenant that Hashem made with neich and avram. He puts them in a package. And the covenant with Moshe, the Kriyas of Nayak was for Teva, for the world. The Kriyas of Ram was for Teda Mitzvahs. The Kriyas of with Moshe was for Tshuva. Now I'm asking you, if I gave you these three ideas and I told you separate them into two groups, how would you divide it? I mean, I know how I would divide it. Teva is Teva, the nature of the world is one thing, and Teda and Tshuva is another. But that's not how the Rebbe divides it, huh? The Rebbe says that the nature of the world, the order of creation, and Teda Mitzvahs are in a package. Tshuva is separate. Now this is, is fascinating to me, and it's hard for me to understand. It's hard for me to understand because we always speak of Teda and Mitzvahs as being beyond the world altogether. Almost, and Tshuva is almost seen as a detail in Teda and Mitzvahs. Here in this Maimed, the Rebbe is giving us a very different assertion. All of Yiddishkeit, Tayag Mitzvahs, even after they're in the same package as Neach, as the Kriyas best for the world. Tshuva is separate. And this is fantastic. And I, I don't know how to understand why the Rebbe divides it this way. Um, I, I, this is a moment from 1952, Tafshin Yud Beis. At the very beginning of the Rebbe's Nesiyas, right? We normally learn my modern from the end of the Rebbe's Nesiyas. And the modern from the end of the Rebbe's Nesiyas, particularly my modern of Tafshan Lamet Ches, which we've learned in the last couple of years, Lamet Ches, Lamet Tes. We've had many, many my modern on the theme of Chova. And of course, the Rebbe often refers to the famous quote of the Alter Rebbe in the Kutatere, in Parshas Bolok, Matevu. That the Rebbe says, the Rebbe asks the question, Why did the Neshama come into this world? And there's many different answers. The true answer is Tshuva. So in the Maimonim of the Rebbe later, we will find out how Tshuva is completely higher than everything, even higher than Teiro Mitzvahs. But it's still a bit extreme, it would seem, to put Teiro Mitzvahs in a package with the creation of the world, with Teva, with the world, and tshuva separate, but that's what this maimer does, right? So we're gonna have to go with it, whether we understand it, we don't understand it. I'm just gonna share one thought which the Rebbe says in the maimerim of uh, Lamed Ches and Lamed Tes, 
And that is, it's a gewaldige word. There's even a mugadikam I mean, like this. I just don't remember which one it is. The Rebbe says that when Hashem created the world, He consulted with the Jewish people. But He consulted only with the Jewish people who are in the Madrega of Tzadik. Not with the Jewish people in Madrega of Baal Tshuva. And He explained that Tshuva is a Chiddush. Tshuva is beyond the parameters of the original plan of the creation altogether. But me Nimlach, with who did he consult? When the created the world, what did he envisage? He envisaged Sadiqim being perfect and serving Hashem in a perfect way in a perfect world. The fact that the idea of tshuva was added because imperfection was introduced is outside of that hamlocha, it's outside of that original consultation. And the Rebbe calls it a chiddush, a dover chodesh, a novelty, so to speak, outside the parameters of the original plan. Now, of course, <laughs> you cannot say that Hashem was surprised, right? This was also the way it was meant to be. But within the parameters of the 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 order of the creation, the fact that creation has a has a plan, which we call the Torah, which is the blueprint of the creation, tshuva is outside of it. And this is perhaps one way of explaining how here in our mind, Medeba puts Noyach and Avram, that means the Teva of the world, Loyish Baisu and Teda Mitzvah in one grouping, and tshuva um, in a separate group, in a separate category. Now, this is like I said, this is one of the earliest my bottom of the Rebbe, and at my bottom of the Rebbe over the years, as they evolve, I'll, I'll say it straight, even though some people will be offended by it. You hear less of the earlier Rebbeim in the Rebbe's my modem, and you hear more of the Rebbe in the, in the these my modem, the earlier years. They're the Rebbe's my modem. They're different than the Rebbe's my modem from before, even if he's in quotes, reviewing a maimah from earlier Rebbe, end quote, it's the Rebbe, this is his own unique approach and clarity and conciseness and so on. Uh, the later maimahim, you barely hear the earlier Rebbe, you hear only Rebbe, only our Rebbe. But in any case, that's just a thought, that perhaps, but the Rebbe says in the later maimahim, that tshuva is in a separate category that's outside the parameters of the hamlocha for the creation itself, will explain why noyach and avram, that means teva and teiru mitzvahs go together and tshuva is separate. But here the Rebbe brings a very simple argument for why they're separate. Shakris is biz the noyach v'avram. Page middle paragraph, second line. The covenant for noyach and avram, hayukshurimim simen gashmi. We're bound to a physical indicator. Shalai b'noyach ksivas kashti nasati ba'ona. By noyach there was the rainbow. And then it finishes by The covenant of Avram Avinu is called the Bris Bein Absodim, where Hashem told him to take physical animals and literally slice them in half and put one half on one side and the other half on the other side and to walk through between them and then the Aish also went through between them and it actually tells us that was the tradition in those times that by taking one living thing splitting it in half and going between them you're establishing a oneness you divided an animal in two it's one animal when you go in the middle of that one animal in the middle of that series of animals you become a part of the unity of what that animal is symbolically it becomes a muscle for the making two into one. That's what a covenant is. So the Rebbe says the fact that there was even a, a gestalt, a representation, a symbolism, a physical thing that represents the covenant shows on some kind of a connection to the world. And of course, as you know, and the Rebbe brings this in so many of my modern it says in Rishonim even that oftentimes Nevi'im, prophets, when they would experience Nevuah, it would be associated with not just with a vision and with words, but with an action that they did that symbolized the grounding of the prophecy. Similarly, these covenants are connected to a physical thing that makes the covenant actual. Mashain connects is Bizdim Mesh as opposed to the covenant that Hashem with Meshabait, which we already know is for Chuva, Lahishuram Davagash, it's not in any way, shape, or form linked to anything physical. The reason for this is because the covenant with Neach and Avram are connected to the Metzias That means the form of the world. Hashem created a world. It has a definition. Right? If you want to speak Chabad philosophy, does it exist or does it not exist? The covenant with Avram Avinu speaks to the idea that the world exists. As opposed to it's above the form of the world. So, 
the covenant with Neach and Avram, which connected to the form of the world, means the world as we see it is the vessel, is the seat of the actualization of these covenants. So there's something in the world that represents them. The covenant with Moshe Rabbeinu, although it happens in the world, it's not the world as we see it, which is the basis for the covenant. It's actually something which is outside the Metzius of the world, which is the basis for this covenant. And therefore, there's no physical connection. There's nothing connecting it physically. Right? The Rebbe just briefly summarized the three covenants, put them into two groupings, Noach and Avram together and Moshe separate, and explained why. Now the Rebbe is going to explore each one at length. Right? This is, in the earlier years, the Rebbe's Maimodim were much more elaborate. He talks everything out. In the later Maimodim, the Rebbe relied on the fact that the Maimodim were already available for us in print, that we could learn them on our own, so he would mamish just say just a few words. But in the earlier Maimodim, the Rebbe would actually talk out all the, the details, the form that the Barbeim have in the early Maimodim. This is based on the Dalit from the Rebbe Rashab. The Rebbe is repeating it. I'm sure he's doing it in a much more concise and a crisp way than the Rebbe Rashab does. That's usually what the Rebbe does to the Maimodim of the early Rabbeim. But he does talk it out in great detail. The Hine. Hakri says, Bizdin Noyach. The Rebbe says, The covenant with Noyach Shuri, Mazicha Chakloli, Shinasabelim, Adiyam Mabel. The covenant that Hashem made with Noyach has to do with the fact that the flood was an event of purification of the world. It changed the physical world. And the way this Maimon argues, it changed the physical world in a positive way. In other words, we're not going to see the Mabel as the destruction of the old world, which is also true. We're going to see the Mabel as the creation of a new world, of a purer world, of a finer world. And this new world, as opposed to the old world, was such that it was deserving of a constancy, of a, of a never-changing, which is associated with a covenant. Now, I, I just want to say briefly that when you learn Hasidus about the pre-Mabel world versus the post-Mabel world, one of the things that you learn is that in some ways the pre-Mabel world was greater than the post-Mabel world. The greatest Nishamas who ever came into this world, the greatest Sadiq who ever lived were before the Mabel. Noyach, Shem, Misushelach, Chanoich, Odomarish himself, these were incredibly great souls. Um, but before the Mabel was a polar world. Extreme. If you were involved in God, it was higher than anything that would be later. And if you were involved in the world, it was lower than anything that would be later. And of course, most people were involved in the world and not involved with God. After the Mabel, everything is more tempered. There's sort of an in-between. You can be involved more in the world and still have a relationship with God. You can have a relationship with God and still be in the world. Um, and in a way, this is less, right? When you try to do two things and you mix two things, it has a quality of compromise. But it's not meant to be compromise. It's meant to be MS, the integration of the highest and the lowest. That's the concept. That's the idea. That's the projection. That's the pneumius. Um But in this Maimir, the Rebbe doesn't speak about the old world at all. He simply says that the Mabel was a mikvah that purified the world and brought it into a condition where it was deserving of a permanence, which became through this covenant. Let's read. Before the flood, the world was not as it should be. Paul taught about the Mabel affected the purification of the world. It says in the Gemara, on the Pasuk, Eretz lay mitu harahi. That before the Mabel, the world was impure, and after the Mabel, the world became a better place. Which is why the Mabel was exactly 40 days. Against the 40 measures of a mikveh. Because the concept of the Mabel was to purify the world. Therefore, it was 40 measures of water that the number 40 is associated with mikveh and with ta'ara. Now understand that at the very best, at the very worst, it's it's But mem saw forty measures of saw is a measurement of water. That was made by who? <laughs> was it made by Torah or was it made by the world and Torah adopted? That's itself a very difficult question. But in Torah, there is an understanding that even things that come from Torah Shabbat which were based on things that were going on in the world. There's a great preciseness to all of it, and all of it is from Hashem. So the mem the fact that the mikvah has 40 measures of water isn't coincidental. It's very, very precise. 
because somehow the num- the idea of tahara is connected to a certain amount of water, like the Gemara describes, that the body of a person can fit into it. But it's determined by the number 40 because there's an inherent, there's an intrinsic connection between the number 40 and tahara, and that's why the mabal was for 40 days. For this reason, not only does the covenant of Neach have a symbol, but the symbol is the rainbow. The mabal purified the world. It made the world more open to spirituality. And the symbol is the rainbow. So first of all, there was a change in the world, that the world was purified. Second of all, the change of the world justified that Hashem should promise never to ever change it again. This is a good world. This is the world, so to speak, that I could work with. And the symbol of it is the keshes. The symbol of it is the rainbow. But why specifically the rainbow? The question is, the rainbow is a natural phenomenon. Has do with the bouncing off of the sun's rays against the clouds. And the question, therefore, is, is it a natural thing? How is it a sign for any kind of covenant? And of course, this says in Svanim, this question is asked many places. And the answer that the Rebbe gives here is, Before the Mabal, either there were no clouds, and if there were clouds, it was dark. There was no such thing as the partial transference of light through the clouds. The word obvious means cumulus, thick. If the light of the sun hit the clouds on the top, none of that light reached the earth. Now, how that would be physically, how it looked physically, did it mean that when there were clouds in the sky it was dark? I don't know. But one thing is for sure, the partial transference of the light in a way that infracts the light, that creates a rainbow, this wasn't. After the flood, clouds changed. The possibility for a cloud in the sky that allows the light through partially and that can cause an infraction of the light or a defraction in the light, which creates a rainbow, became possible. They were able to see the rainbow. So the rainbow is an, eff- an effect of the mabu. The physiology of the world changed after the flood versus before the flood. That Now there's a possibility for the sun's light to be blocked in part. Before the flood, the, the world's condition, physical condition, which was a reflection of its spiritual condition, was undesirable. Even clouds, which are very intangible, were thick. The light of the sun would be absorbed by them and there would be no reflection, no bouncing back, no secondary light that emerges from those clouds. The flood created a purification of the world. Clouds also changed. They became finer. Even when the light of the sun hits the clouds and the clouds absorb it, they give some of it out. And that's the keshes. That's the rainbow. So there's two parts here. Number one, that there is a symbol for this covenant. And number two, that the symbol is the rainbow. The covenant is for what? Now that the world has been made purer, finer, I'll never destroy it again. The symbol is the rainbow because the rainbow was a product, only begins after the purification of the world. Therefore, first of all, the reason there's a physical symbol for the covenant that Hashem is with Meneach. The covenant with Neach is that nature should never change. It's a general purification of the world, which the Mabal achieved. Something for the physical world has to symbolize this covenant because it's a covenant about the world. Now, the code word here is that the Mab, that the Kisus Bris of Neach is the world in general has been made finer, it, it allows we should live as people that reflect more the image of our Creator than in an earlier time, in general, basically. And the symbol is the Keshes. Keshes, the phenomenon, the fact that there is a rainbow. Masked al reminds us of the fact, it reminds Hashem, so to speak, of the fact. It is a general refinement of the world, which is why when the generation is unworthy, undeserving, unrighteous. And I wrote on the margin, which is, and the proof of this is that you actually see the rainbow. 
since the Mabal purified the world in general. Yeshkiyam la'ilam, this world is not going to be destroyed even if the people are the way they're supposed to be. Lo'yish ba'yizor never will disrupt it. And the keshes, the rainbow, was the symbol for this. So the first covenant was a reaction to the Mabal. The Mabal purified the world. And Hashem swore, this world I'm going to stick with. Even if the people in it at a particular point in time are not the way they're supposed to be, this world is never going to change because it's a world that can hold goodness, righteousness, the divine will. And the Keshes, the rainbow, became the symbol of it. And the Rebbe continues, number five, the middle of page in Samachdala, the Kumakena, Kishbiz Davraham, the Kaovena, the Rashem, made of Ramavin, is also Kshurun, Pulos, Yechaelim, as do with the refinement of the world. The Hine. We just spoke about the refinement of the world in general and as a whole. Now we go into something more particular. The covenant that Hashem made Ramavinu was for the land of Israel. And as the Rebbe said before, Eretz means Spiritually, the land goes on Teiru Mitzvahs. Because Teiru Mitzvahs need the world. Now, again, in a different Maimir, you'll learn that the fact that Teiru and Mitzvahs need the world is a better thing. But in this Maimir, the fact that Teiru and Mitzvahs needs the world puts them in the worldly category as opposed to Tshuva, which is in a non-worldly category, like I explained before. The key of Mitzvahs is, first of all, Yiddishkai Teiru and Mitzvahs are related to the earth. Now, when you say Oretz, you mean the land. But when you say Oretz, you mean specifically Eretz Yisrael, the Holy Land. In a few lines, the Rebbe is going to quote the Ramban. The Ramban, you can't say more than any other Rishon, but certainly more than most Rishonim, was Eretz Yisrael obsessed was very Israel-centric. He lived most of his life in Spain. And then, for whatever reasons, he was forced to leave the country. He spent the end of his years in Eretz Yisrael. And he was the Ramban. I, I, I don't know how to explain what that means. He was the Ramban. So when he came to Eretz Yisrael, he experienced Kedusha Sa'orets, he experienced Avira Eretz Yisrael Machkim, he experienced Gusha Avira Tahoira. He experienced the Holy Land like a holier person experiences holiness. And um, it says in Svarim that the last of the Svarim that he wrote is his commentary on Chumash, which he wrote in Eretz Yisrael. It's full of Kabbalah. And you see this absolutely unlimited love for the land. He's in love with Eretz Yisrael. And that Amban, more than any other Ishin, argues that there's an inexorable relationship between a Yid, Yiddishkeit, and Israel. All the mitzvahs that we do outside of Eretz Yisrael, that Abraham brings Chazals to support his claim, are practice. The Iker Kiyama mitzvahs, including the mitzvahs that are not directly connected to Eretz like tefillin. You don't need to be an Eretz to put on film. That Abraham says it's all about Oretz. So Oretz doesn't mean the whole world. Even though that's the simple translation, it means Eretz Yisrael. So the Rebbe says that, Gam mitzvahs Even mitzvahs not connected to Eretz Yisrael, the gift of Israel is that Yiddishkeit is connected specifically to Eretz Yisrael. So, that's the difference between the two covenants. The covenant of Neich is for the world, and the covenant of Ram Avinu is for Eretz Yisrael specifically, and that covenant is automatically connected to Tehid and Mitzvahs, which are done primarily in the Holy Land, and he brings the Rabban. The Rabban is in many different places in Chumash. All of Yiddishkeit, including mitzvahs that are not luyas, but it's are for about that it's Number two. First of all, there's an inexorable relation between the land of Israel and Tehidon Mitzvahs, land of Eretz Yisrael and Tehidon Mitzvahs, like the Ramban says. But then there's a broader idea, or a deeper idea. Why did Ebeshe give us Tehidon Mitzvahs? Why did he give us Yiddishkeit? Says the Rebbe, it's lift el hachibur to create a bond shalanivre between the creation and the Creator. Shalanivre mitzadas mein lekasher hamabayde. The creation has nothing to do with the Creator, like the pasuk says, "Shmaim shmaim l'Hashem varas nasam neadom." They're separate. Achayadei teiro mitzvah yiddishkeit nasa kishur hanivrei mabayde. It binds the Creator to the creation, the creation with the Creator. 
And the Rebbe now ties it into what he said on the previous page about edits meaning earth, bittel. When a person makes himself like oritz, like offer, like dirt, bittel, it makes it possible for him to have a relationship with Hashem, which is achieved through psach libi betedah secha tedah savaya. Ube mitzvah secha mitzvah savaya tirdef nafshi. In other words, when a person first has bittel, he's then in a position to do shaydei kiyama mitzvahs, to do tedah mitzvahs. And when he does tedah mitzvahs on the foundation of bittel, hari alei v'abosar agashmi, his physical heart, his physical flesh, v'chein advorim agashmi, also the physical things, shabahem akayim, as a mitzvah that are used to fulfill these mitzvahs, nasim kadeshim v'keim alakus, become holy and vessels for godliness. Let me stop here. This is the pshat that the Kriyas Bris of Ramavina was for Oretz. Oretz means Eretz Yisrael, which means Tered Mitzvahs, because Tered Mitzvahs are linked to Eretz Yisrael. And Oretz means Tered Mitzvahs, because Tered Mitzvahs brings heaven down to earth. It joins heaven and earth. Now, joining heaven and earth is a good thing. But joining heaven and earth includes also earth. Part of the bonding, part of the phenomena, of the process that we bring the Ebishter into this world. And in this particular Maimer, the Rebbe says that the very fact that Tehidah and Mitzvah brings Hashem into this world, and like I said on the bottom of the previous page, Imitzias Ha'elah makes it so that Tehidah and Mitzvah and Eretz Yisrael are in the same category as the Kriyat Bris of Neach for Zichuch Klolos Ha'elah, the world as a whole. And he continues three lines from the bottom page in Samach Dalit, Vinyan Zenif of Matan Tedis happened when the Bishop gave us the Tedish also Yagil of Yira, the Shabalar Sinai. When Hashem gave us the Tedish, he came down on the mountain, and then Hashem told Meshavin to come up the mountain, which is the bonding of earth, heaven and earth, and earth and heaven. Avalas Chol, Abazahoy said, they are obvious, I have to begin with the obvious. Obviously, acts of the forefathers. They did it. It creates a sign and an empowering to the children. They should be able to do the same thing. That what? That we should be able to bring heaven and earth together, do physical things in the service of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and bring HaKadosh Baruch Hu to the performance of physical things. So now, we know from other Maimarim that there's a phenomenon of Bitlagzeda, which separates what the others did from what we're doing. In this Maimar, the Rebbe doesn't make that separation for Kert. In this Maimar, the Rebbe makes that connection. And this itself is something which we should be able to think about. Vezehu, and therefore, since the beginning of Teira, a mitzvah is Avram, Masha's Cholosh, Nehalah from Teira. The beginning of the two thousand years, the world has the one is a six thousand chitalfish and have alma. That the beginning of Shnei Alafim Teiro is Avram Avinu. Avram was born in nineteen forty-eight. He was fifty-two years old in the year two thousand. Nevertheless, his entire life is considered part of those two thousand years, because all he is chelakisha shalan yivrei mabede. In the year two thousand, the bonding between Creator and Creation begins. And it starts with Avram Avinu. That Avram Avinu is called Echad Avram. He was the he was the the person of one. And what is the meaning of the person of one? Not that he was one person against the whole world, which is the simple meaning of the pasuk, but that he brought oneness to world. Shaydei Yahweh Dasa. His efforts. Paul Ba'elam affected in the world. Shagashmiz Vachumriyas Shala Elam Gufa. The physical and even the crude of this world itself. Tachriz Vitizak should announce and shout. Kale Elam. And Kalim doesn't mean that that God is the master of the world, or Kalim that God and world are one. So Echad Avram means Avram introduced to the world Echad. Echad means heaven and earth can be one. They ultimately are one. They're truly one. And we can show this oneness. We can live this oneness. We can activate this oneness. And ultimately it's through tainted mitzvahs. So God. So the difference between the first covenant and the second covenant is the first covenant is for the world as a whole. And the second covenant is for for Teda Mitzvahs. And Teda Mitzvahs is connected specifically to Eretz Yisrael rather than the whole world, but it's also connected to the world. See, he concludes, Since the covenant with Avram Avinu for Eretz Yisrael is about Yiddishkeit, the Yiddishkeit is also meant to create a refinement in the world, but on a higher level, 
then the zicho ha'elam clearly through noyach. Zicho ha'elam clearly is through the mabel. Hashem does it. And it seems to me that Zichar Elam Prati, which is connected to Eretz Yisrael specifically, and if I may add the famous adage of Magdo Eretz Yisrael, this is the concept of Tehran Mitzvahs. Lachain Gama Krisus Biz Davram, for this reason, the coven with Avram Avinus, Be'evan Shalachiza, Begash Mesa Elam, it has a connection to the physical world. Omnom. Lastly, Hakrisus Biz Demeshali and Achuva, the coven with Meshal Abenus Fetchuva. Tshuva has nothing to do with the world. The world doesn't tolerate Tshuva. Why? Because if something is fixed and it's broken, it's broken. Tshuva heals this as well. We bring down Tshuva through the 13 attributes of mercy, which is the opposite of the 10 spheres. 10 is connected to the world. And 13 is Lamailam and Ha'elam. Moreover, Tshuva is a phenomenon which violates the limitations of time and space. And he brings the classic quote, This is a quote from the Zayar. Tshuva is done in one hour, in one day, in one second. Now this is interesting, the order, right? Shah means an hour, Yeva means a day, and Riga means a second. So it's... An hour is more than a second and less than a day. So why it's in this order is an inyipnimi. The bottom line is, Tshuva takes no time. There's no sheer how much time a person has to be invested for his tshuva to be considered a tshuva. And the Rebbe says, first of all, it's Lamailam and Azman, as this statement indicates, and it's also Lamailam and Amokim, this is a little bit harder to explain. So he explains that it means Lamailam and Akelim. Kalim means our life, Kalim means our world. But we broke our Kalim, we ruined them, we did Naveda, we did something we're not supposed to do, we violated the Kalim. The Koyach of Tshuva is Lamailam and Azman means it doesn't take any time to do. And it's Lamailam and Amokah means it doesn't matter what we broke. The, the conditions of Oilam that we have violated, Tshuva is higher than all of those conditions. And that's why it's able to repair them and to reverse them, not just Koyvish but Noisi. So Tshuva is not Zichach Oilam Ederach Klal. It's not Zichach Oilam Ederach Prat. It's that in a place where Oilam has been ruined, Tshuva can correct it. Because Tshuva is higher than Zman and The phenomenon of Tshuva is correcting in the world. It's correcting us. It's correcting the world. But the power to do this is because it's not part of Metziah Salem. Metziah Salem has been violated. Metziah Salem has been broken. Both in terms of time. Yesterday is gone. I can't get it back. And in terms of Phenomena, the thing that I did wrong and the thing that I, the thing with which I did the wrong that I did exists, right? Move us It exists. And Tshuva is above time. It can go back in time. It's above space. It can remedy something that's already broken and make it healed. So even though it's correcting the world, but its power to correct the world is because it's not about what the world is. It's about what the world is not. Kemai Merazal. Then he brings the other Gemara. That we find an actual story, Yesh Achas. A person can acquire his whole oilam in one moment. Even the idea of world. which requires to create vessels. Or at least not to break vessels. Achas can happen in an instant. Because Chuva is above time and space. The koyach for tshuva is outside the basic definitions of the reality, which are time and space, and that's why it can repair both time and space, and it can create a whole new world in a second. A world which normally takes a lifetime to build, the Baal tshuva creates in an instant. So both time and space are violated by tshuva. And the Rebbe finishes, whereas the covenant of Meshach Rabbeinu is for the phenomena of tshuva, which is which is above the world, tshuva has no hold on the physical world. There's nothing to symbolize tshuva that's physical. The symbol for the purification of the world as a whole is the keshes, the rainbow. The symbol of the unique connection that Hashem has with Eretz Yisrael, which means with Yidin and Teda and Mitzvahs, is the phenomena of the Krisus Bris, the Bris Bein Napsarim, the symbol of the covenant that Hashem made with Moshe Rabbeinu, that not only is never going to destroy his world, but that when we destroy it, he will not allow it to be destroyed because there's going to be a phenomena of Tshuva. This has no physical symbol, but it's completely above the world. Now, I'm going to call this a class. 
and stop right here. I, I originally was planning to teach the Maimid in two. I'm changing my mind. This class is already over an hour. And um, I'm going to divide the class into three. So we're going to do Pei Gimel and Pei Dalit in my second class. And then the shorter class, but the most important class, maybe it won't be shorter, will be the Rosh Hashanah part, the third Christmas bris. So I'm stopping now. And in Mitzvah tomorrow, I'll put up the second part. Tomorrow will be Friday. And the Blin on Sunday or Monday, I'll put up the third part. That's how we're going to do this, okay?